if you have a son or daughter that's coming to you inventing about their spouse, which they need to do, you're a safe space for them to do that. Don't take sides. Be the safe space to listen. This is where we want to switch over into the sage world. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Scott here again. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have with me Greg Payne. Uh, and Greg is hails from the same state as I do, Oregon. He is now in Atlanta, but Greg's uh, big project right now is the Cool Grandpa Podcast. He started that in 2020, and I thought it would be really cool to have the unique perspective of a man who is focused on being present in his grandchildren's lives, being intentional and in being a part of their lives. And I think this is going to be a really amazing conversation. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, this is an honor to be on with you today. Yeah. So uh, are you uh, experiencing as much heat as I am down here in Texas? It is so hot. The dogs are refusing to go outside. They look for the shade. They do their business. They come back in, they hang out, and they might go out after dark. Oh, is it cool down at night there? <laughs> it hasn't it, been here in Texas. It, it's been insane. It drops about 10 degrees, but that's, okay, yeah. that's still about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And we'll get through this summer, but... I, I just figured South, you're probably pretty hot as well. So let's just dig right in. I, I'm really, really, really interested in the why behind what got you started in the cool grandpa podcast, because, you know, I think people think grandpa, let's, let's start here. People think grandpa and they think, well, how's that guy figured out how to do a podcast? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I found out I was going to become a grandfather back in 2018. And it took me a couple of years of thinking about this role. And I thought about the relationship I had with my grandfather and how meaningful that was to me, even though we had 2000 miles of distance, but his impact was really special to me. And then I remember, too, talking with other people that when they had relationships with grandfathers, what that impact was. But then in thinking about movies like, you know, Christmas Vacation, what, you know, all sorts of different ones where grandparents are absolutely funny in those roles. It seems like the role of grandfather is comic relief, uh, villain, or just kind of back in the corner. And my concern was that if that's all that men are hearing about and that's all that we're seeing, that we think that we just check out. We get old, we become grandfathers, we write checks for you know, birthdays and holidays, and that's our role. It's grandma's role in, in raising those kids. And I just, that wasn't jiving with my experience and then talking, like I said, with other people. So I wanted to start this cool grandpa podcast to wave the flag a little bit and say, hey, wait a second, man. Your job as leaders in your family isn't over just because your adult kids are starting to have kids. You don't just check out, go play golf, go do a cruise, do whatever, all good things. But your job shifts a little bit. You move from the tactical day to day. How am I paying the mortgage? Are the kids getting to their high school sports, you know, activities on time? 
And now we're moving more into that sage role and that strategic role, if you will. But that role is still super important to continue being leaders and being able to support our adult children as well as our grandchildren. So this is so awesome. I had an amazing grandpa. I had two amazing grandpas. One was kind of just there on, you know, when we were around him, you know, he was, he was quiet. He was quiet. It was incredibly funny. Um, the other one, we would go stay with them. We would travel with them. Very involved. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to do all sorts of things around the house, taught me how to paint houses and really nurtured that relationship. There's it's, it's a really interesting dynamic because I think that as many grandpas are there as there are, there's probably as many different experiences as there are. Just like as you know, fathers, they all kind of tend to play a different role. Some of them really suck. Some of them are good at it. How have you like this this journey? What have you learned about really the pitfalls? Like let, let's just kind of unwrap this a little bit. What can, what goes wrong? What what is right? Uh, what have you found to be really key successors? Sure. Well, I think there's three different types of grandfathers and you can be in these different positions at different times, right? There's the, Hey, I raised my kids. I'm done. I'm checked out. I'm going to Scottsdale, not picking on Scottsdale and I'll write the checks for Christmas and birthdays and I'm done. There's the other ones where I don't know where I fit into this. Maybe grandma is much more dominant in that role and that grandfather hangs back a little bit, doesn't really know that his role is valuable. And then there's the third one, which is where I hope to inspire people to move towards, which is being really involved and being that leader and stepping up and being that person where, hey, 50 years down the road, your grandkids are going to be talking about the summer they spent with you when they were 12 years old and what that impact was. And some of the pitfalls along the way with this is really managing those relationships because it's natural that our sons and our daughters should be cleaving onto and joining with their spouses and forming their own family unit. And I think when that happens, sometimes we don't know how to act. We don't know how to engage. We've met the daughter or the son-in-law to be, you know, with dinners before marriages or finding out they're living together, whatever that is, but it's establishing those relationships. And if you have a misstep anywhere along the way in miscommunication, that can cause a rift that makes it more challenging to come in. And so it's, there's some careful navigation that you have to do. And there's also some vulnerability that you have to open yourself up to, to somebody that's a stranger to you. You know, your, your son or daughter may know this person inside and out. You don't. So just getting something as simple as everybody's sense of humor, you know, is this person a real prankster and they love physical humor versus you might be more dark humor and subtle humor. You know, those things in just getting connected and being able to build that trust with somebody else so that you can be able to take uh, the grandchildren for a weekend and you can take them for a week and you can do fun activities with them. It's something that you have to work on and something where I see sometimes there's some missteps on both sides. 
Yeah, we're really navigating some tricky waters. I mean, it's really what you're saying. We, we, we have a whole new character being introduced into the family, you know, either a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law uh, for a grandfather. And, you know, sometimes there's locational differences and you really don't have the opportunity to get to know them or you haven't been given. Sometimes there's a little bit of a riff or a pull away. I think, I think a lot of people, I think it happens more than we like to admit. The spouse is like, you know, kind of pulls the other spouse out of that relationship for whatever reason and, and can almost villainize, villainize the the in-laws or the whoever, right? And so you have all of these really interesting relational dynamics. So then the question becomes, have you done the work ahead of time so that then when there are grandchildren, you have this place where you can be involved? It's oh. It's tricky. Absolutely. And I think we need to think about it in terms of like grandfathers, when we welcome somebody into the family, it's almost like reestablishing and going through some of the similar steps of building relationships with your young children, right? It's mm. being a little vulnerable, being a little playful. It's finding out what their interests are. And it's building up a deeper relationship by building up even maybe a shallow relationship at first, right? So, hey, if you find out you like the same movie genres, if you find out you like similar sports, if you find out these things, these can, things can be superficial at first, but it allows for that deeper conversation later. Maybe when you're at the ball game and you take, you know, the, the daughter-in-law, son-in-law out to the ball game, you can turn around and have a little bit of a deeper conversation in the ride over to the game or whatnot. But right. you can't do that if you don't establish, let's say, the superficial relationship first. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the the point I was trying to make is there's I think the intention, well, I know the intentionality has to start very early. And there's this really a lot of times interesting when, you know, my boys are uh my boys are 15 and 19. So we're a few years out from being married. You never know when that's going to happen. It could be 21, whatever, but where we're still working. Like, I mean, I believe you still work. We're still working. We still have our full lives. Yeah. There's not, maybe not children living in our houses, but we have our own things going on. The intentionality when one of our kids gets married to insert ourselves into that life <laughs> without, I think there's, like, how do you manage the balance of too much being in there too much? And I, I love that you talk about vulnerability, but how do you manage that not being too much and then not being too far away? Sure. So one of the things that I've done, and I've only got experience with two awesome daughter-in-laws that came into the family, is being able to ask them questions about family traditions, let's say. Ooh. So if me and my wife are going for Christmas or Thanksgiving, it's asking, hey, what did you guys used to do as a family around these holidays? What did you do? And then seeing if there's little ways where we can incorporate that into what my wife, Karen, and I do when we show up on site and have a holiday tradition. You know, I've got a daughter-in-law that was grew up on the border of Maryland and Pennsylvania and very used to a little bit of that low country boil type stuff, you know, uh -huh. seafood was a big thing, all that. And so do we incorporate maybe a little bit of seafood into Thanksgiving to help make that bridge, make that connection with the family. And then also too, 
having discussions about what they studied in school, what did they like, what did they do? And it's it's asking those questions, but they're non-threatening questions, right? It's not like, tell me your belief in God and I want to know it right now. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's nothing like that, but it's it's like, hey, I heard you played rugby. I heard you did this. How did you enjoy that? How did you get involved in these things? And so it's asking those questions to build up those relationships. Yeah, again, it's the work up front. And I love that you brought up doing your research around like Christmas time and family traditions and understanding, because I think the closer you be, you become, you can come into their world, the more they're going to receive you. Because the other option is they put up a wall. We want to develop our own traditions because you're not honoring their traditions. And I think, well, I know that one of the biggest things is pride. Pride is going to get in the way. This is how I've always done it. And that's where wisdom or, you know, being the sage grandpa <laughs> has to take precedence is like use wisdom, put away your pride and, and understand that this is a family creating its own, its own systems, its own traditions, its own, it's the melding of two different people coming together with two different complete backgrounds. Where do you see the biggest problem? You know, you've talked, probably talked to a lot of men, a lot of grandfathers. Where do you see the biggest problem? occurring and where they're not able to be a part of their grandkids' lives or not as much as they want to? I think it's the misconception of distance being that impact. There are so many tools. We're video chatting during this. It's no longer, hey, call grandpa after six on Sunday to get the cheap, you know, international rates or, or whatever that is. We've got technology around us, but we've also got old school ways of connecting. I still send postcards to my grandson. Now, as they get older and they can appreciate getting some mail, that's a great way to connect. But I think grandfathers will sometimes think, oh, the grandkids live 700 miles away. There's nothing to do unless they come to visit or we go to visit them. And that's just not true. There's so many different things that we can do. Some of these are apps where you can read and record a book and then send it to them. So grandpa is providing a nighttime bedtime story Mm. and they're hearing you and they're seeing you and they're, they're building these connections so that when you are together, it's not spending a day or two trying to reconnect and figure out who grandpa is and and who's this relationship in the same way with grandfathers, right? It's we can be engaged with those kids. So when they show up, it's not a surprise that the grandson has moved on from robots to sharks. (laughs) You know, you know how little kids will bounce around with different interests and things. So utilizing technology, understanding that distance is not a barrier. And then also I think too, Intimate conversations can sometimes be a barrier for us because we don't like to be able to show those vulnerabilities that we have, our own fears, our own second guess. I mean, we're grandpa. We know everything. We've been around since the earth started spinning. But the thing is, is I think grandkids, especially as they start to get older, oh, grandpa has some insecurities or grandpa's overcome some insecurities. And grandpa shared what it was like to be bullied in middle school and stuffed into a locker. 
wow, I got stuffed into a locker. I can share that with him. So I think, you know, not being afraid of that intimate and sharing appropriately, sharing parts of ourselves in our lives. How do you navigate that if you have an insecure daughter-in-law? And I'm just going to kind of, you, you don't, you said you had great, but I can, I've seen this happen. I have a really good friend who, when he got married, a major split occurred in the families. Like basically he was completely cut off from his parents, his biological parents. And so, and you know, I don't know why I don't, I don't know the reason why, but I'm going to paint a picture that's not awesome here, but they started to come back into his life once he had kids and long separate separation of space, you know, it's about as far as you can get in the U S and not soon after he took his life. And mm. now we have grandkids who have no idea who their, you know, grandparents are on that side. And I know the grandparents and they're, you can you imagine how how bark, heartbroken they are they lost their son and now they can't connect with their grandkids and so i don't know all the circumstances around that but i wanted to paint a picture of how this can go horribly wrong and the importance of being intentional and vulnerable and and curating relationships ahead of time right and that's you know that's the other end of the spectrum that we we're talking about too is is that being a grandparent, being a grandfather, isn't always unicorns and rainbows. One of the things that in that situation, if I was talking with that grandfather, would be working on what can you do to establish a relationship with that daughter-in-law? And maybe it's just writing some letters mm -hmm. and seeing, and it's, it's, it's offering that bridge. Now, the other part of that too is if you're doing what you can do as hard as it is, you have to be comfortable with, with that. And because it, it takes two people to have that relationship. And if one person just doesn't, that becomes very difficult. I think, unfortunately, in the States, grandparents don't have as many rights with visiting grandchildren. I think some of this is starting to change a little bit, especially if we see patterns that are starting to develop in Europe where denying access to grandparents is being viewed as a form of elder abuse. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, there's good and bads with, with everything. Right. But what is neat is that, Hey, grandparents may be able to in the future start to go to the extreme length of petitioning courts for, for access. I don't know what that's going to look like. But again, talking with in this situation, I would be advising them, do what you can to build a bridge with the daughter-in-law. You might have to bend over backwards and swallow your pride some yeah. right, in order to have that relationship. Yeah, I think there's just so many elements we're talking about here. We we have, you know, we're talking about relationships. When it comes to relationships, a lot of people are really bad at them or there's a lot of pride involved, lack of forgiveness, holding things against, you know, the other. Let's go let's go back into the grandmother versus grandfather roles. You know, how how do we work through that? Because you know, I know like my mother-in-law 
my father-in-law will say like, ah, oh, the kids love her. And I'm just kind of like the secondary thing. And I, I, that's not true, but there's something there. There's a reason that's being said. So I'm curious kind of what your thoughts on that are. Right. So when I've talked to grandfathers that have granddaughters and, and, and I've got some granddaughters now too, it's not uncommon for granddaughters to gravitate to grandma's. For whatever reason, grandma has an awesome bracelet. She's got an interesting necklace. She's got a hat. She's got some different things. There's some reasons that granddaughters will gravitate to grandmas, and that's great. But here's the thing. There's times when granddaughters need, let's call it the masculine energy, and they need to be next to grandpa for something. Yeah. They may not come up and want to attack you like a panther coming out of a tree the way a grandson does. But granddaughters want to sit and they want to snuggle with grandpa. They want to go fishing at the pond with grandpa. They want to have time with him, but it's going to be different. And some of this is based on the kids. Some of this is just based on boys and girls. You know, it's it's different. For grandpas, I would say, don't discount those times you have with those granddaughters or grandsons, even if they're gravitating to, to grandma for right now. They're gravitating to her for different reasons. Two years from now, they may all of a sudden be gravitating to you and grandma might be feeling a little left out. I think it's the same way as with parenting. You know, my sons really gravitated to their mom early when they started to get to teens. They were on me and stiff arming her and, and kind of still are, but you know, later on they might, it, it, there's an ebb and a flow and understanding and not taking that personal is a big deal too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what I would say too, is if you're starting to see some of this, where when you go visit and the granddaughters are all over grandma, which is awesome and, and perfect. If your grandma suggest some activities that they can go do with grandpa. And if you're grandpa and you've got grandsons climbing all over you and doing all sorts of good stuff, find times and find ways that grandma can have time with them. And that may be go run an errand with your son or your daughter, leave the kids at home with grandma and let them snuggle up on the couch and watch uh, you know, a movie together or let grandma color with them or do some, you know, kind of remove yourself a little bit to help instigate some of that one-on-one -on -one time, especially when they're young. That's really good. I let's, let's step back a little bit because it, I made a, I made a funny comment and it wasn't, it wasn't because I thought you were old. In fact, I think we're very close in age. It was because I think people think, why should we be talking about grandfathers? Why should I be thinking on this? It's that's just really old people. I'm 50. I could very easily be a grandfather. I'm not yet. So what is like the average age of a grandfather? Do you know that information? Where is that yeah. kind of yeah. happen? So average age for a grandfather for first time is 52. And of course, that's, oh, wow. plus, or, that's plus or minus, right? Right. The average age for grandmother right now is 48. And again, wow. there's pluses and minuses, you know, with, with ages and things. So I'm 53. My situation's a little bit different because I am younger 
And I blame my wife for all this. So just to step back a little bit for my situation, I met my wife when I was 25. She was just coming out of her first marriage where she got married right out of school. And she had two little awesome boys. One was Ah. just about to turn five. One was just about to turn two when I came along. So we were always kind of hanging out, whether it was in church or whatever, with people probably five to 10 years older than us, just because the, the way the kids and everything line up, which was awesome because I was the young dad in Little League that could get down and catch the balls without having knees and backs creaking as I get <laughs> up, right? So there's, there's pluses and minuses to early and older and all that. So I kind of fit a little bit more into the traditional first timers. Now, I definitely remember my grandfather being older than dirt, already having a hitch in his step and everything else. When I started really having memories of him like around eight, nine, 10 years old. But the thing is, is that he was closer to my age with all those infirmities and the gray hair and everything else. And and it's weird. And I think it's a change of, I'm not a farmer like he was, so I'm not out of the sun. I didn't fall off a tractor a few times. I didn't have some of these things that he did. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about that because I think automatically so many people just go to 80 years old, 70 years old. And being 50, and this is going to be hard for some of the younger audience to hear, I don't feel old at all. I, I, I don't feel old at all. I feel youthful. I enjoy my life. I, and so I think that it's really important to understand that that grandfather phase starts when we are still very living of, of you know, full of vitality. We're, we're probably, in my opinion, at the peak of kind of that moving from like producer to wisdom, you know, kind of like in this, in this process. So I just think it's really, it's actually really important to talk about because, you know, certain, and, and that I'll probably ebbs and flows with different uh, generations as well. I think for a while, the average age of marriage was really going up. It was hitting like the 30s or, you know, mid 30s and used to be like 14, right? I mean, if you go way back. And so this will ebb and flow, of course. But um, I just, I don't know. I think it's, <laughs> I just, I wanted it to be very well known that it's it's not an old age. Yeah, you're you're right. And so from the turn of the Turning into the 20th century, average life expectancy for a man was somewhere in the mid to late 40s. And so, you know, we it's kind of the joke, right? You get old, the tribe leaves you behind, the wolves come and get you. And because of healthcare, because of how things have worked and evolved, and it's all been hard fought and won, we're now living a lot older. I mean, retirement used to be like 62, right? And they figured, nah, we're not going to have a lot of people hit 62, but those that do, here's social security for you. Then it's all of a sudden, oops, we've got people living longer than that. And so there's a whole bunch of issues. But yeah, we've got grandfathers that are still really active in their careers. They may even have stresses around getting the next big promotion, making the next big score they may have all sorts of things going on that you normally would associate with somebody in their thirties and forties, but these are now 
our 50s and early 60s still having those same stresses, right? It's, do I take this job? Do I not take this job? How do I do this? How do I do that? So it, it's an interesting dynamic how grandfather and grandfathering has changed even over the last 60, 70 years. Yeah, it's... uh and I think that's important to note is like the, things are changing very rapidly. We're living longer. Like you said, a lot of us are working later. Like I want to work. I, I just don't understand even stopping. <laughs> Honestly, I might change when I have grandkids. One thing that my wife and I experienced growing up is she, her, her grandparents lived a couple hours away. And in the summer she would go away to like grandparent camp for two weeks and um, where she would be, you know, spoiled, still, you know, be held to, I think that's the trick, right? Still kind of following the family structure, but it's a little looser. It's a lot more fun. You're, you're, you, her grandparents were very focused on her, but I, she also comes away and talks about things that she learned about real estate because they were into real estate or about, you know, growing fruit on trees because they were growing fruit on trees. I would go camping with my grandparents or go to their, their cabin in the, in the, in the woods and spend a week with them or go snowmobiling with them. And, and, you know, I have very fond memories. I think some of those, it seems to me that doing those things where you're actually giving parents a little reprieve, you're almost being like a long-term, like, hey, let me take them off your hands. They're going to come to grandparent camp. I think that's a winning thing because you are obviously generating amazing relationship and memories with your grandchildren, but also you're helping the family. You're helping the parents. Have you done any of those things? And, uh, you know, what's your experience? So my grandchildren are younger. Uh, the yeah. oldest one is he just turned five. So we're talking about next year, nice. having him come down and do that, spend a week with us and, and hang out and get into mischief with grandpa and grandma. What is amazing though, is hearing when I'm talking to adult grandchildren, their experiences with something very similar where I've have one buddy of mine that would go to Oklahoma and his family has a small family oil business. But he remembers as an older teenager sitting in while his grandfather's negotiating contracts and is watching his grandfather work a little bit of business magic and finding the contradictions with the person that he's across the table with and then working those things out. That's huge. That impacted him and his ideas in coming in and, and developing his own business acumen. I've also talked with people that for sure, you know, would go do adventures. They would go up to Montana. They would go into Oregon. They would do these things with their grandparents. And it's those experiences that everybody ends up remembering. And it's the opportunity for grandfathers, especially in grandmothers to have those kitchen table chats, to have those campfire chats, to ask the kids what's going on. How's everything going? Maybe mom and dad are going through a rough patch. And part of taking the kids is to give mom and dad some space to work on their business. But great kids know what's going on. So it's a great opportunity to have that intimate conversation with those grandchildren and spend that moment with them. Yeah, absolutely. It keeps coming to my mind how incredibly it is how incredibly important it is as a father mother to grown children to do everything possible to foster a thriving relationship with that couple. 
as well as taking a step back and being and taking away that this is how we've always done it to the this is how they do it and integrating yourself into that that's got to be really hard but man like one misstep and telling them no 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 you're doing that wrong right <laughs> like there's a real fine line because you do have a lot of knowledge you do have a lot of wisdom you have a lot of experience and they might be doing it wrong how do you navigate that so for me, what I found that that works is number one, if you have a son or daughter that's coming to you inventing about their spouse, which they need to do, you're a safe space for them to do that. Don't take sides. Absolutely. Listen to them <laughs> vent. Even though, you know, moms and dads might be like picturing, this is my perfect little seven-year-old son in this you know, woman's mistreating him and you want to jump in and, and, you know, take care. Don't do that. Be the safe space to listen, be the safe space to where you can, and you, this is where we want to switch over into the sage role. Have you thought about how this comes across from her perspective? Have you thought about how this is from his perspective and then being able to let themselves work work things out. And I also also go to the concept of non-fatal errors, right? So if I've got a son who's thinking about a career change or doing something with the family, sometimes you just have to listen to them, nod, support them the best you can, and then let them gain wisdom through their own experiences. Even though you know that that hot plate is hot, <laughs> sometimes, it, and it's hard, sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut and let them touch it and get get burned a little bit. But again, this is where you have to, some judgment, non-fatal errors, right? Like if it's something that. that's really going to blow it up, yeah, you need to step in for sure. But if it's something where it's like, hey, we're thinking about moving to Oklahoma for this, or we're thinking about doing that and there's some repercussions and you know that the better decision is why and they choose X. If it's not going to blow up the family, it's not going to ruin them. They're young enough to recover. Sometimes you got to let them make that decision. That's so good. I've experienced in where there was an assertion of will on the family and unbeknownst the the grandkids see it especially when they're older they actually pick up on it and you don't what you don't want to do is create sides them versus us yep and and we all have to learn through failure and you know i, I know that like my father father-in-law he he once told me i wish you'd just settle down and get a career well i'm incredibly successful as a business owner i'm like i i'm doing fine <laughs> i don't fit inside of his view of what you know success is it's not about money or financially st financial stability it's about job stability and so like there is these areas where we have to say hey look we might not understand but it's not a fatal mistake that you're moving into i really love that and i think it's it's really cool to see that 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 terminology because we will want to jump in because we we have lived a lot of things. We've done our own mistakes. We don't want those mistakes be repeated, but you got to let a family be a family. You got to let a family kind of go through its rolls and punches together on a lot of things. So that's really, really wise advice. Yeah. And if, if I can also just 
flip the script a little bit from a adult kid's perspective. When you have in-laws or your own family, aunts, uncles, whoever it is, when they start telling you, for example, with your, your case, podcasting and the things that you were doing didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. I hear it all the time. <laughs> what, what you're doing is absolutely terrifying for somebody that grew up in the or had careers going in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We remember the tech bubble burst, mm -hmm. right? Hey, it's not about making money. It's about eyeballs and it's about clicks. And it's and then you had all these companies that went away. And there's there's fear on their side on your behalf about you doing something scary. And so I think sometimes it's thanks for the advice appreciate the concern and then you have to go do what you're doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, also, you know, a warning to people that are going to be grandparents soon or are is staying understanding that those fears are your fears because you don't have the experience. And this happens with the kids, the grandkids too. My son, my eldest son is not going to college. He does not want to go to college. He doesn't have a like a specific thing. He wants to own a business. You know, I have a master's degree. My wife has a doctorate degree. But to a, a lot of generations, that's like, whoa, wait, that's the roadmap to success. We're seeing that not be the case right now, unless you want like a very specific, you know, I want to be an, I want to be an attorney. I want to be a teacher. I want to absolutely you go to college, right? And there's so many great experiences you can learn from college. But then as a grandparent, you got to put away all that stuff and think, okay, how do I say what I need to say, get it off my chest, or even do I, and then let it go. And that's got, because then you're talking about creating a rift between the child, the, the grandchild and yourself. And so there's so many considerations you have. It's an incredibly volatile, like up and down, like you better make good decisions all the way around. <laughs> Yeah. And you, and you better be good with your communication. And if you're not, you need to build it up. Like we talked about, it's building up the superficial to get to the deep, right? Yeah. And it's also, you know, being able to say your piece to your grandson, your kids, Hey, I wouldn't do this. I'm concerned about this. Once you've said that, it's up to them. It's no longer on you. You've, right. you've done your part. So get rid of that emotional outcome base uh, that somebody else has. Because I think you talk about it a lot, I think, about having that circle around your feet. And this is what I yes. can control. And granddads and grandmas, you know, you've got to do the same thing. You can speak and you can, you know, go outside of that, but you can't control what these kids do. And you know what? They may amaze you. And that's what we want is for them to amaze us. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you kind of refer back to my own stuff. And and that just applies. These, these principles that you're talking about, vulnerability, communication, understanding, wisdom, humility, <laughs> saying your thing and then letting it go because it's not within your control. These are like keys to success in everything. Like if you can nail these down, you're going to be a successful grandparent. You're going to be a really good grandparent, good, great parent, great employee or employer. It's just, it's uh, what I've seen at this age, these are major players in success. Yeah. And, you know, none of these things 
always come natural. Some of us are better at other points than others. But the thing is, is like, it's a work in progress, right? Like any good leader, you're consuming good material. So you can figure out how you can incorporate that into your professional life. But then I've also got the view of how do I incorporate that into my personal life as a grandfather? And then how Mm -hmm. do I inspire other people? Hey, go read this book, incorporate a couple of the learnings from here. Take these nuggets of wisdom, incorporate it into your relationship, just so that you have a better relationship. Well, so this is great. This is a great segue. And my next question I wrote down while we were talking is why do you do this? I mean, I know you love being a grandparent and you're you're obviously passionate about it, but like literally you're doing something, you have a career, but you're doing something that it's important, very important work. What's the drive? I think it's to help men understand that this role of grandfather is important and kids need this. I think kids have needed it since the earth started spinning but when we hear and we're, we get all the messaging about the loneliness, the withdrawals, the teen suicides, the, these things out there that I think grandfathers and men that are moving into becoming sages, we can be part of that solution if we choose to be part of that solution. And man, there's a world hurting that needs your leadership and that Mm -hmm. needs you. And it's not just even your family, it's your community. I mean, how awesome would it be to be that scoutmaster that gets a bunch of mentor pins from Eagle Scouts that you've mentored along the way? How awesome is it that you have kids remembering you as their little league coach and you took a moment when their life was going to crap to put their arm around them and say, hey, you're doing okay. Yeah. I mean, even to go to the extreme, what happens What happens if your child, your child, Greg, your kids are killed in a car wreck? Like all of a sudden you became become the first line of defense. You are probably the parent at that role, right? So like you literally have to think of all elements and I, God forbid that were to happen to any of us, but I think through those things all the time. Like what happens if I, if I pass away? I'm so so happy that my siblings and my parents and my in-laws are so loving and so involved that I'm, I'm, we're good. Like we're mm-hmm. good. So you have to think through all the scenarios that can happen and understand that your role could change in a heartbeat, how you are a part of in that person's life could change in a heartbeat. I want, I want to kind of wrap up with one more thought um, from you on, you know, if you had bad parent grandparents, how do you how do you know how to be a good grandparent? What are some resources? I think some of what you need to do is start talking with your friends and asking them about what kind of relationships did they have with their grandparents? Because it's not even bad relationships. Sometimes it's just no relationships. Grandpa, grandpa died young. You know, you were two years old. There's no memory. There's no role model. Find other men's groups too that you can kind of get involved with because a lot of what you're talking about, a lot of what other men's groups and podcasts are talking about, it's the it's a lot of the same things that you can transfer over. It'll be different, but like we were talking about, those different phases and qualities of of leaders, especially leaders within a home, 
those things will translate over into being a grandfather. The other part too is, okay, you've got a blank slate. Forget about those bad relationships you might've had with your grandfather and what he may or may not have done with you. What do you want to do to have fun, have an impact and be a resource for those grandkids? Yeah. And then do it. Start doing that. The, the intentionality part is probably like 80, 90% of this. If you, if you think about that you want to be a good grandfather, the rest of it is how do we fine tune that? How do we, you know, enhance what you're already having an intention and already taking action to do? That's awesome. Intentionality is such a powerful, powerful tool. You have the Cool Grandpa podcast. I'm guessing you talk about this stuff like over a lot. And you, I'm just guessing you talk to a lot of men with experience. So tell us a little bit about that. Where can we find you? We want to make sure that guys can plug in where they need to plug in. Sure. So yeah, you can look up the Cool Grandpa podcast. I'm on all the major podcast platforms. And I just recently uploaded the audio stuff to YouTube as well. Ah, congratulations. And what I do is I talk to grandfathers about their roles because there's no one way to do it. And everybody's got different situations. So it's great talking to other grandfathers. I also talk to adult grandchildren and I mm -hmm. ask them, what did your grandfather do to leave an impact with you? And then I talk to experts about issues that impact grandfathers. You know, it might be something about putting together a will. It may be something about elder care. It may be something about adolescence, uh, substance abuse. It, it could be, uh, you know, a lot of different things that come together. So those are the three areas that I focus in with the podcast and you can look up the podcast. And then also I have a website, cool-grandpa.us where you can find the the podcast for sure, but then also for other information that I have available. That's awesome. I, I, this is work that I don't know that's being done by many people. So it's really kind of exciting that it's happening and it's it's definitely a need. I really appreciate you coming on here. I think this is a perspective that men need to start thinking about really soon. Even if you have young ones, this is so helpful in understanding maybe how to help your parents navigate into the the grandparent role like hey <laughs> i got this i met i heard this really cool guy you should listen to him right and and uh maybe i'm sure there's some major impact that's going to happen for that and i really i really appreciate you brother oh thank you so much man this has been a blast thank you for joining everybody else hey guys like seriously go check it out and um if you need to do a gentle nudge to your father or father in law, uh, it's it's recommended. You know, it's something very relevant to their life, and I would I would doubt that any man wants to be a bad grandpa or an uncool grandpa. And I think that the more tools that we can share, the better. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.